the podcast that is now called Paideia originally started as Storytime. So you might hear the podcast referred to as Storytime in this episode, but you are listening to Paideia with Cassie Michael. It's story time! I'm Cassie, and let's get reading. <laughs> In this episode, I read chapters 2 and 3 of Ender's Game. Um, In these chapters, um, Ender's at home with his siblings, and he plays Buggers versus Astronauts with Peter, a game that turns violent, and Peter threatens to kill Ender, and then also to kill Valentine, but he doesn't, um, and we meet, um, Ender's parents, and Peter says, I love you, to Ender when he thinks Ender is sleeping, and in chapter three, a colonel from the military, um, which is like a, the IF, um, which I don't remember what it stands for, um, International Fleet or something, um, let's see, uh, so only, uh, yeah, International Fleet comes um, Colonel Graff and um, asks Ender some questions, and then once and then he says that Ender passed the test and um, that he can be taken to battle school for training um, and trained to be an officer. Um, and Ender decides to go with Colonel Graff even though it means he likely will never see his family again or he won't see his family again for a long time. Um, and that's what happens in chapters two and three. So I always like to improve things. So I'm going to structure this episode a little bit differently. And I'm hoping that um, this episode has structure and that it improves it because it has structure. So I'm going to just talk about some questions that came up while reading. And I'm doing this because um, during January, I had the opportunity to do a practicum. And in the reading program we used with our fourth graders, it was inquiry-based and it was based on the idea that asking questions about the text could help us understand it better. And we modeled and encouraged our students, modeled for our students and encouraged our students to ask deep questions, questions that weren't answered by the text and that didn't have an answer. Um, and these questions helped us um, understand the text better. So, um, I also think questioning is very powerful. So I wrote down some questions that I had while reading, and um, we'll talk about that now. So the first one was, 
when does play go too far? Um, so just reading chapter two and reading about like the game bugger versus astronaut. Ender says it would not, or Ender thinks it would not be a good game. Ender knew it was not a question of winning. When kids played in the corridors, whole troops of them, the buggers never won. And sometimes the games got mean, but here in their flat, the game would start mean, and the bugger couldn't just go empty and quit the way buggers did in the real wars. The bugger was in it until the astronaut decided it was over. So, this is kind of like, you know, this reminds me, like, it seems like kids are going to get hurt. And, like, this game leads to Peter saying to Ender, I could kill you like this. Peter whispered, just press and press until you're dead. And I could say that I didn't know it would hurt you, that we were just playing and they'd believe me and everything would be fine and you'd be dead. Everything would be fine. That's what this game leads to. So obviously that's gone too far. Um, but if you think about um, the games we played, or at least I played sometimes when I was a kid. Um, like, there was a game that we called tennis, where you put your hand, like, you line up your hands, and then you take turns, like, slapping the hands until someone, like, finally has had enough, and they stop. Um, is that appropriate? Is that, like, going too far? Or um, we think, like, What's it like say uncle where like you try to hurt someone and like it's testing them to see how long they can last until they like say uncle um, or also think of like in Frozen Anna and Elsa are playing and then like um, Elsa loses control and um, she almost kills Anna um, so obviously there are times when play goes too far. So when is play not innocent? Where's the line? It's obvious when things cross the line, but where the line actually is, is more elusive. Um, and then as I was reading the whole part where Peter was threatening to kill Ender, I th thought, why do people want to kill? What do people gain when they kill? And, like, what goes on in their brain? Um, I probably jokingly said, I'm going to kill you. And I've been mad. And I've been angry. Um, but I could never envision. And I could never fathom. Could never fathom. Like, actually taking someone's life. And killing them. I, you know, I mean, I could, I thought about and at times wanted to take my own life, but I don't know if I have the willpower or the strength to do that or to take any life at all. Um, and so, and I don't have those thoughts now. I've had them in the past, but I don't have any of those 
like suicidal ideation thoughts currently just to make that clear um but i don't know why people murder and why they kill and obviously they do and i don't listen to any true crime podcasts but maybe i will and maybe that question can be answered um And then, you know, obviously, um, this world in Ender's Game is very different than our world. And I wonder if in this world, after this war against the buggers has happened, I wonder if Peter was designed or engineered to kill. Like, if he was brought up that way, if that's what they're testing for. Um, and I wonder that because, um, in chapter three, Mr. Grath, um, Ender passed the test and he's being taken off to go train to be an officer because of how he hurt someone, because that person ended in the hospital. Um, although Graf says, um, it's not what he did, but why he did it, but if are they, like, trying to engineer these kids for war? Is that what they're looking for? So, how did Peter, like, in the second chapter at the end, it says, Peter was a murderer at heart, and nobody knew it but Valentine and Ender. How did he become a murderer at heart? Was he born that way? Like, is it nature? Is it nurture? Um... I don't know. And then, reading this chapter, um, and this part, um, I also thought about, like, why do we say things we don't mean? And then I'm, like, also thinking, is it possible to say something we don't mean? Because usually when I say something, I mean it, but then people will react to it, and I'll see the impact, and then I'll be like, oh, I didn't mean to make you feel this, um, or like, I didn't mean it that way, um, so whatever I say, I meant it, but when it negatively impacts someone, then I don't mean it, so like, I think when I said it, I still meant it, um, and so like, Peter says he's going to kill, um, Ender, and Valentine, but then at the end of the chapter, when he thinks Ender is sleeping, he goes up and stands beside his bed, and he whispers, Ender, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know how it feels. I'm sorry. I'm your brother. I love you. So, how can Peter say that and mean that? But then also mean what he said when he's like, I could kill you like this. And he said, like, I could kill you like this. And he says, I do mean it, Peter said. Whatever you think, I mean it. The on they only authorized you because I was so promising, but I didn't pan out. You did better. They think you're better. But I don't want a better little brother, Ender. I don't want a third. Um, and... So, 
did he mean that? I think he did. Um, but then Valentine questions him. And he's like, um, and do you know why you don't mean it? She says, you don't mean any of it. He's like, I don't. And she says he doesn't mean it because he wants to be elected into the government one day. Um, so I don't know. How can he mean both things? Because I think both the things he said were very sincere. Obviously, at the end of the chapter, he's empathizing with Ender. He's empathizing about when he lost his monitor. And um, it seems to me that like this losing of the monitor and it being removed is being seen as a failure. Um, it was a failure for him, and so he's empathizing with that failure. Um, so then in chapter three, my question is, who decides if someone has rights? Who decides um, what laws apply to what people? Um, and, you know, obviously governments do, people do. Um, who decides that we have rights and what rights we have? Obviously governments and institutions do. Um, but I wonder, like, you know, and those people have changed and those rights have changed throughout history. And I just think about how those people who make those decisions, you know, they're not diverse groups of people. And I wonder how different the decisions would be if there were more voices in that room um, and stuff like that. Um, so those were the questions that I had while reading this section. Um, and my best attempt at answering them. Um, so, um, yeah. So, some things now that I noticed or stood out to me is, um, the sexism. Um, Ender is asking questions to Colonel Graff about the um, like school he's going to go to to be trained to be an officer, um, and so he's asking like what it's like and who goes there, um, and Colonel Graff says. Um, so Ender asks all boys. He says, a few girls. They don't often pass the test to get in. Too many centuries of evolution are working against them. None of them will be like Valentine anyway. But there will be brothers. They're Ender. Ah, like... Too many centuries of evolution working against them. It's like... Girls are a different species, but we're not, um, we're the same species. 
and I don't know, just like that, also reminds me of like how people used to believe that races were different species. You know, for my paideia class my first year, um, we read Darwin, um, and we read his, I don't remember what the title is, but we read it, um, it was on Newton. We read On the Origin of Species, and we read the one where he was talking about race, and he um, said that the, the different races, the human races, are not distinctly separate species, species, and that we are all one human species. Um, so, um, and then it's interesting um, that he got into the school because of why he beat up Stilson, not just that he did it. Um, and it's obvious that like they're still watching him and monitoring him and they're looking for something very specific. Um, <coughs> so, um, and then love, I noticed. Love is a theme of the third chapter. Um, and love's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, the most recent episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text was through love and, you know, listening to that got me thinking about the whole series, which is about love. Anyway, back to Ender's Game. The sister is our chapter three, entitled Graph, opens, the sister is our weak link. He really loves her. Um, and then we see it again um, later in the chapter. Um, when Graf is talking to him about his parents, he says, they do love you, Ender, but you have to understand what your little, what your life has cost them. They were born religious, you know. Your father was baptized with the name Jal Paul, John Paul Wyzorik, Catholic, the seventh of nine children. Um, so it's interesting about, like, the religion aspect coming in there. Um, and then, like, how now it seems like people are only allowed to have two, um, children. Um, Utah comes up, um, about how, like, the mother refuses to admit to anyone that she was born in Utah. Um, because, uh, she was a Mormon, uh, so there's, like, conflict that exists in the parents between how they were raised and how they're living now, um, so there's love there, um, and love isn't easy, you know, there is conflict in love, and love takes work, it's hard, um, and... You have to choose to love people every day. You have to choose to do loving acts for them and choose to care, choose to put love into the world. We feel loved and we feel love for people, 
But ultimately, love is a choice, and we choose to love. Um, and I do think Ender's parents choose to love him. Um, and then it's just interesting, like, how people are accepted or not to this um, training school. Um, and, like, Colonel Graff says, Peter wasn't accepted, Ender, for the very reasons that you hate him. So... And, like, he, Colonel Graff also says, Peter isn't all bad, you know. Peter seems like a very complex character, almost like um, a Severus Snape. Um, and so we also, in this chapter, hear more about, like, um, why, like, we hear about the battle school a lot, um, but... Yeah, nothing else really stood out to me um, in these two chapters. So I'm going to end with what these chapters um, call me to do. Um, or call me to want to focus on. Um, and I think what I'm called to do is to choose love. So Ender could have chosen to stay with his sister Valentine because he loves her, but he chose to leave. He chose to leave his family and leave his sister. Um, and Ender's parents chose to love him. And Peter, he chose... Or Peter felt empathy towards Ender and expressed that empathy um, as love at the end of chapter two. And so I want to choose to love and choose to put more love in the world and to tell people I love them and express that. Um, I think is what I'm called to. I'm also called to be mindful about um, the words I say and be intentional that I'm saying what I mean and that I'm not going to say something I don't mean. Um, so that is how, that is what I'm going to try to be more mindful of and intentional about in the next few days and thanks for listening um, that's some of my thoughts about chapters 2 and 3 of Ender's Game so since I don't have any voicemails yet um, I thought I would share a random thought that I had about stories. So, today I was thinking about stories and how um, we want to know the truth and we want to know what the story is. And when we're presented with two different stories about something, how much we hate it and how much we hate not knowing. Um, 
So an example of this is recently, well, if it was recent, but it feels like forever ago because of how fast our world is changing and everything that's happened since then. But about um, two weeks-ish ago, a little less than two weeks, um, my band director in college resigned and she gave us one story and then the music department head came in and gave us a completely different story. And it was really frustrating and hard um, for us to hear two different stories and like not know what to think. Um, then I think about the media and how the media puts out different narratives and different stories um, about the th- about like the coronavirus or COVID nineteen, um, and like media is powerful and can influence the way people think and act. And is it dangerous if the media is not all telling the same story? Then I thought of one of my favorite podcasts ever, The Danger of a Single Story by Chimamanda Adichie. And I apologize if I pronounced the name wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. Um, It's one that I have not taken the time to learn how to pronounce, and I need to. Um, But if you haven't listened to it, The Danger of a Single Story... It's an incredible podcast, and having one story is dangerous because then you really only have one view of the world, and you're you have such a limited worldview. Uh, um, but I wonder, and I want to ask, is there a danger in having too many stories? Um, and I'm curious to know what people think, and it's a question I'm gonna think about and. I'm going to examine as um, I go throughout this podcast. So, um, if you would like to leave a voicemail, you can leave a voicemail about anything um, story-related. can be about the podcast, about your thoughts about Ender's Game, your thoughts about something I said, or you can tell a story Um I would love voicemails of people telling their own stories. Um, So, yeah, if you feel called to do so, I would love it if you would leave a voicemail. Um, And I'll come out, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Storytime. Join me next time for some more chapters of Ender's Game. Thanks for listening.